It's time to remember what our brave soldiers never forgot. American share, one flag, one home, and one glorious destiny. Fellow Americans, you're listening to Rose Unplugged. One of my favorite people is now in the country. She's a doll. She really is. And she's very bold and outspoken, but she's right about everything she says. She's an award-winning documentary maker, columnist for national newspapers, radio talk show host, and a best-selling author. Her documentary is Homelands. I watched some of it um, over the weekend, and we will post it on our social media, but you can check it out at her website, rebelworld.co.uk. Katie Hopkins, welcome to America. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I love it when you introduce me. And you're like, oh, she's right about everything. And all I can hear is my father's voice in my ear. He's 72 going, no, she really isn't Rose. She's wrong about a lot of things. Oh. Like my father would not agree with you at all. Oh, no. He in check very nicely. That's hilarious. Well, I'm glad that he's still alive, to, even if it is, you know, you're on the receiving end of some jibes, right? Thank God he's got I know. You've I'm got so him. lucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm so lucky. We just had actually... Um, uh, my mum's 70th, as I flew out here, we stopped in London as a family, me and my two girls, my sister and her daughter and my mother, whose 70th it was, and we had tea, afternoon tea at Fortnum and Mason, and I, and I did sit there, Rose, honestly, and looked and just thought, oh, I need to hold on to this memory because I'm terrified, uh. terrified of losing my parents, you know, and I think probably we all identify with that at different phases of our lives. We can. And, you know, I did lose my mother 30 some years ago. She died really young. And you never, my gosh, you never stop thinking about them. You never stop wishing they were here to enjoy, you know, milestones in your own life and your children's yeah. lives. So, yeah, I hear you, girl. I do. So God has yeah. blessed you. Good. I'm glad that you're, you know, really enjoying every moment of it. So listen. Yeah, it's so important. It is that important. When we look at, I mean, first of all, you're in Texas, right? Yes, I am in the great state of Texas. I feel very at home here. Do I love you? it here. I love the people. Yeah, I literally just cuddled. So I just ordered some. I'm at the airport in wherever I am, where my Dallas. I just cuddled the breakfast server because I'm just so happy to be here. I think he was a little bit shocked. But um, yeah, it's so thrilling to be in your, your brilliant state and your brilliant country. So did you just get in? Yes, yeah, so I flew in yesterday, and then I met some um, an individual because later on I'm going to go down to the border um, and check out what's going on at the border, go okay. and do some night patrols down there. But um, So I flew in, I think, yesterday, yes, yesterday, and then today I'm flying out to Midland, so uh, starting my little speaking tour over there. And um, I just feel that, you know, it's an exciting time to be in America, um, watching the Mueller investigation collapse around everyone's ears, watching the media be proved wrong yet again, watching CNN panelists on their best confused <laughs> face. It's sort of a delicious day to arrive, isn't it? It's like we're showering in the tears of liberals. Well, you know, it, it really is. It's, it was a delight this weekend, and it's very delightful to watch CNN and the rest of them with their long faces. And I have to tell you, though, Paul Sperry, who is a political commentary, tweeted this over the weekend, and he's so right. He said, did the Trump-Russia collusion hoax improperly influence the 2018 congressional midterm elections? 
Because at the time, the exit polls were showing that 49%, Katie, of the voters, that's almost half, believe that the Trump campaign coordinated with Russia during the 2016 election. So, you Sarah, it's such a great tweet and such a great point, because, of course, we forget sometimes the impact, the real impact right. of the lies that we're told by the media have. And I was out here for the midterms. I was in California campaigning, which I know is a bit like, you know, throwing money down a well. But I was just doing that because I felt impassioned to do so. And you're so right. And I think what it means for me, you, other Trump supporters is that 2020 could be fantastic because I think we're going to see a real pushback against the mistakes made in those midterms, the mistakes of Ilhan, the mistakes of uh, Rashida and the new entrance, and we're going to see a real turnaround. And, and I think that's a dynamic that feels so positive in this country right now. Yeah, it does. And I am resentful. I mean, because if we're going to talk about anything that worked against our elections, it was the Democrats, uh, the media, the left, uh, really interfering with the midterm election. And that really bothers me. But you know what? I mean, now that this is over, and I think that for the most part, American people now understand that there was no collusion. We can move forward. And I think Donald Trump will do quite well. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, Theresa May. Um, Yes, <laughs> <laughs> two on the phone together or on radio together is always a bit like when you meet your girlfriend. Yes. Yes. And you have so much to say. You have to talk really, really quickly blah, 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 because we have so much to say. Like your your listeners will be the same. They'll, they'll have so many thoughts they want to share with you. And it's lovely because it's it's like a, it is like being with girlfriends that, that can just chat. It is indeed. You are so right. That's exactly how this is. And I look forward to talking to you. I really do. Now, Parliament wants to take control of the Brexit process. And uh, oh. so what what can we expect? What can we expect? Isn't something <laughs> going to happen today? Uh, isn't, uh, she... oh. oh, my Lord. I tell you, in the UK, what you can expect, you can expect, <laughs> I don't know, the woolly mammoth to come back to life. You can expect dinosaurs on the high street. You can expect, I mean, the range is so vast. We can expect the prime minister to issue another statement today is what she's supposed to be doing. That statement will not be helpful in any regard. At the moment, we have an extension so that the Brexit date we're supposed to leave on the 29th of March has now been put back to the 12th of April. Um, there is massive um, uh, sort of there is a sense that her deal, such as it is, it's a dreadful deal. It's more or less staying in the EU and uh, will not pass in Parliament. And there's a sense that by the end of certainly this week, she may well have resigned. Um, there could be a general election, basically. If you took a, a box of children's toys and threw them in the air, that's about as much as we know at the moment of where those toys are going to land. They're currently just being thrown up, and we, none of us have any clue, and anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is lying, about what's going on. But what we can definitely say is, you know, half the country want to leave and, and voted leave and won a democratic election to leave, and another half want to remain and are determined to remain. So the, the UK is is cloven in two. You know, it is the most divided I have ever known the country that I used to call home. Well, you know, and that's a shame, too. It really is. It's been interesting to watch over here. Um, she's supposed to talk to the cabinet, or did this morning, because I, I, you guys are six hours ahead of us. Mm. Uh, over the weekend, they said a lot of newspapers were filled with reports about the ministers plotting to unseat her. Yes. Uh, you think yes. that's a possibility? So uh, a group of cabinet members plotted to overthrow Theresa May. Um, there was a, 
a really peculiar gentleman put forward to be a temporary leader, uh, a sort of a grey individual that is unrecognisable and whose name you would never remember, a sort of magnolia man. Um, Mm. But that too didn't work. So she's managed to hang on yet again to her position. She really is the one-armed burglar dangling off a window ledge, you know, with an itchy thigh. She is literally gripping on with her, her fingernails um, but we really just don't know what's going to happen. But, of course, the EU is frustrated by us as well because this has become very messy and protracted. And meanwhile, we just had elections in the Netherlands and the new populist party there, the, the Gert Wilders 2.0, someone young and better looking with great hair, did spectacularly well. And the EU is very uncomfortable with the fact that the populists are surging from Italy you know, to Holland, to the Netherlands, right across the, the rest of Europe. And we're expecting in the European elections, which happen on the 29th of May, to see a massive uh, uptick for the populace in the European Parliament. So that's going on behind the scenes, and that's very exciting. That is very exciting. You know, one of the other things, I had read something about uh, the U.K. and Ireland, and they want to avoid a, a hard border uh, in the event of a no-deal Brexit. Can you explain to our audience what, what that's all about and your opinion on that? Sure, sure. So if you think of Ireland as a, I don't know, as a pizza, we kind of cut it in half. There's Northern Ireland, and that, I'm using this in inverted commas, belongs uh, to the British. It's part of the British Isles, Northern Ireland. And then there's Southern Ireland, which currently remains and is part of the EU. Now, before, when we were also part of the EU, clearly there was no need for any further division than there already is between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, because we were all members of the EU. But let's imagine now that Britain says, right, we're leaving the EU. Now, suddenly in Ireland, the pizza of Ireland, you've got half the pizza which would be in the EU, half the pizza which would have left the EU, and therefore some sort of division down the middle would be required. And, of course, the reason that that's emotionally and um, strategically and, you know, from a security perspective, massively significant is that the history of Ireland and Northern Ireland is, of course, one of division. The fighting over that border between Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland before the peace process happened, Good Friday Agreement. You know, we had the IRA, we had Catholics against Protestants killings on the mainland. You know, we had attacks from the IRA all the time. There's a fear that the division caused by us leaving the EU and then the rest not would kind of rekindle the old terrorist divisions of our past. And actually recently we saw the IRA, well, allegedly the IRA were responsible for parcel packages sent to various universities and public establishments on the mainland UK. So that's the fear, is that we're rekindling old tensions by our wish to leave the EU. Mm. Well, you talk about borders, uh, Mexico, and you're, gonna, you're visiting our border um, eventually. <laughs> uh, right now, uh, there's a caravan of some 1,200 migrants from Central America and Cuba that have started moving towards our border uh, from southern Mexico over the weekend. 
So, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about when we talk about our border, you know, the left and the media would have you believe that those who support a border wall and border security would, uh, are, are people that are concerned about the color of someone's skin. That's not it at all. We have no. an epidemic here, a drug epidemic. We've got drugs coming in. We've got weapons coming in. We've got sex trafficking. When you're on the border, they will probably show you the rape trees where women who are trying to make it across the border have been raped repeatedly. And uh, what what's done is they, they put their underwear up on the tree. It's almost like a notch on a belt. Uh, I mean, we've got some real problems here because we have a porous border. It has nothing to do with the color of anyone's skin. I think that's precisely it. And you were kind enough to mention um, Homelands earlier, my new documentary yes. just finished, which, which is about, and this links to the point you're making, um, which it's about um, the search for a new place to call home. You know, there is a silent exodus underway in Europe where Jews are forced out of Paris uh, by threats and fear, and Christians in Britain, families just like mine, are looking eastward to Hungary, to Poland, because we need to feel like we belong. And one of the main things that came out of this, of all the people I spoke to, it never came down specifically to race or colour. Never. It always came down to wanting to protect your family, your children, wanting your children to be safe, and wanting to feel like you belong. And this, the thing about borders is much less, I think, about pe- keeping people out nowadays, actually. I think it's about keeping the people we love safe inside. And yes. I spoke to a, a Swedish firefighter and he was building a new, bigger wall around his fire station. It's the toughest fire station in Sweden in some of the most difficult areas. He was also incredibly good looking, Rose, but that's the mm-hmm. side <laughs> bar. I just had to stay longer to talk to him for that reason. But he said, I was like, what is this fence about? And clearly that, you know, they're attacking the fire engines, they're stealing equipment, they're, they're slashing the tires. And he said, that we will build walls and borders not to keep people out, but to keep the people we love safe inside. And I think that's a perfect analogy for the border, uh, your border as well. And that's as an outsider, and I appreciate my ignorance as a foreigner. But I believe that's true. Americans aren't about hating others. They're about loving their family, their land, you know, their God. That's the, the, the intrinsic spirit, I think, of your country. And I think that's why borders matter in America. Well, clearly, Katie, you look around and, and, and you can do this while you're here. And I'm sure you have in the past. You look around and we are a melting pot. We continue to be. There are people of all colors, all, all religions, um, all ethnic backgrounds. And because we have ports of entry where we allow people to come through the right way, the legal way. And, uh, and, we, and there are no restrictions on the color of your skin or the faith that you practice or your ethnic background. There are no restrictions. As long as you come through those ports of entry and do it the legal way, like the rest of us have done. I mean, I'm only second generation here. So, you know, do it that way. And we have, we have no problem with it. And all you need to do is look around you and to see that we have never had a problem with the color of your skin, mm, your faith, so or your ethnic background. It's so true. I, and it, it's something that gets lost. You know, I think it's a deliberate tool used by the media. You know, they call them undocumented or um, it's not unusual. What's the other word that's used um, uh, to describe illegals? Um, um, so they have undocumented. There's another word. I'll find it in a minute in my head. Okay. I know your listeners are <laughs> shouting at their Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> 
I know, bless you all, I can't hear you, but I know you know the answer, which makes you smarter than me. But essentially, you know, undocumented, they use these words to sort of trick us, because in fact, in, in true in Hungary and Poland, the same, where they have had no terror, terrorist attacks whatsoever, they are the safest countries in Europe to be a woman, a female in Europe. And the reason is, because they do not allow one single illegal migrant into their country. They welcome people. They welcome everyone to come. But they are absolutely resolute and rigid that you will come through the proper channel. And, and that's what we need to keep reminding ourselves, our people, the people we chat to. People are welcome to come, but through the proper channel. And, and it's that sort of fog that the mainstream media kind of add to people's minds to make us feel like we're all trying to push everyone out. We're not. We want people to come, but we just want them to come through the normal means. That's and I all. think that's really important that we all remind ourselves of that. Yes, of course. Now, real quick, we have like three minutes left here, and I do want to get oh, to yeah. this. When I was looking at your documentary, the uh, Homelands documentary, I oh. um, one of the things I saw in there that really just broke my heart, and I can see that it's happening oh. in our in, in the leadership here in the Democratic Party, too, and it concerns me, is the Jews. You, you talked about the Jews being forced out yeah. of their, out of Paris yeah. and other places. It, my heart broke. Are we really here again? Are we really here oh, again no. where the, the, the anti-Semitism is on the rise? And that concerns me greatly. Oh, I know. It just, and it makes, you know, just now, my little hairs on my arms, I just stand on end immediately because... The couple, um, you know, in the in the trailer that we have for home, Homeland, you know, this lovely couple, I don't know them, 50, 55, 60, academics, brilliantly qualified, educated Jewish individuals, have escaped, and that's the word they use, to Israel. They've even bought another home, a second home, for their daughter because they are begging, imploring her to get out of Paris with their grandchildren oh. because they fear for them. And the quote that they used, you know, this lovely couple facing me on a sofa, it just set me off any time was um, that the pessimists now live in, they're talking about Jewish individuals in the past, Jewish families from Paris, historically. Pessimists now live in L.A. with a pool. The optimists went to Auschwitz. And their, their, wow. their last line to me was, you know, don't wait. Don't leave it too late. And another gentleman, a brilliant journalist out there, Doron, um, who happens to be seven foot six and made me feel like an absolute tiny woman. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, I was like, you have to be so tall. You're making me look obscenely small. Um, he said, you know, treat every day like September the 1st, 1939. And that's Jewish people Perfect. now imploring Perfect. their children to get out of Europe. That's where we're at. And, and I think it's, history well, does repeat I, itself. I encourage everyone to go to rebelworld.co.uk. Real quick, I want to say this, because a good friend would say this to a good friend in a conversation. You must tell me the next time you're coming to the States so that I can arrange to have you here. I thought we already made that very clear in the past. <laughs> you're so sweet. I don't like to, I'm terribly British no. about these things, and I don't like to impose on anyone. You would not be. You, listen, well, I have plans back. for us. You are coming. We're going to go to, we're going to have an event here in, in Pittsburgh with you. We'll go, maybe we'll oh take goodness. a trip up to New York real quick. And uh, and, okay. and I'll I introduce you to some the, people. I, I'm in New York in a month's time. So I will send your what? lovely producer, Greg, you, who I adore. And, he's and wonderful. He yet, but he needs to be my husband number three. Whoa. And um, I will send him my date. <laughs> you got it. We love you, Katie. God bless you. Uh, safe travels oh, in this country. You. And uh, report back to us everything that you learn. We'll have you back on afterwards. Bless you. All right, Okay. Babe. God thank bless you. you and all your lovely listeners. Thank you, darling. Bye-bye now. 